Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. We are your hosts, Creepy Krista and Crawly Kurt. <laughs> Get to be crawly? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess that's better than creepy. Well, I don't know. Maybe I want to be crawly now. Neither of them are really good. We're both creepy crawly. But thank you. You're welcome. Hey, it's October, so we have to come up with a you spectacular intro. You were happy intro. when it was October. Oh, it's like 50 degrees and sunny and yeah, the we perfect went from being hot fall day. To like really cold. And we've had nothing but nonstop rain oh, and fog. Flash and, flooding. Yeah. Like it's been crazy. Yep. So yep. Especially down in Sheboygan. In your yeah. area, there's yep. been a lot of flooding. There has been. Yeah. But the sun is out today. It's Cool and brisk, and it's a perfect October morning. It is. I want to go run through a pumpkin patch. I thought you were going to say run through a sprinkler. You don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Sprinkler. <laughs> be a little chilly. Uh, Jump right into our shoutouts for yeah, our let's new do listeners, it. and we have quite a few new strangers since last time. Oh, and I wanted to say that my last name being Konechny, I know it's impossible to pronounce. So if you guys really want me to pronounce your name right, oh, yeah. maybe send me a private message telling me phonetically. Yeah. Like I actually. I think you do a good job, though. Thanks. I t- well, if it looks like a complicated name, I go to YouTube or the internet because sometimes uh, they have how to pronounce names. So yeah. sometimes I look at that, hmm. but sometimes I don't. So if I massacre your name, I'm <laughs> it's sorry. It's a crapshoot. It is a crapshoot. <laughs> so welcome to our new strangers, and those are Sir She Shrain Rocket. You remember? We, yes. You said that. I you said good luck me. with that one. <laughs> yep. I didn't do too bad. Do you think that's like a made-up name? I think so. Okay. Sir She Shrain Rocket. Okay. Whitney Carpenter, husband to oh, yes. Josh. Well, wife, but yeah. <laughs> it's early. my coffee hasn't kicked in. It's super early in the morning. <laughs> that's great. Hiro uh, Havala, I think that's right. Hiro Zavala, something like that. Is there that. a Z on it? Z. Zavala. Oh, okay. Start all over. <laughs> No, Sir, I like the Whitney thing. Okay. Sir, <laughs> let's start over. Sir She, Shrain Rocket, Whitney Carpenter, Jairo Zavala, Brittany Michelle Ballou, Laura Holmes, Tara Thornhill Barton, Justin Clowers, Ken Martha Becker. I'm guessing that's like a couple that... I have friends yeah. that are couples that do just one Facebook mm-hmm. account, which is actually a good idea. This last name kind of stumped me, but I believe it is Jason Bashad. Dees Wapstra, Riley Gilliand, Travis Malden, Megan Sexton, Elisa Khan, and just this morning we had Anne-Marie Baldassar and Aaron Tinor wow. join the strangers. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. And a shout out to Lawson Duvier, I think, Duvier, Duvier, who sent us an email uh, suggesting some books, but says that he kind of doesn't do the social media thing. Which I completely get. Totally. So welcome, new strangers. Sorry if I massacred your name. Welcome. And I wanted to give a shout out to one of our followers on Instagram. Um, he, his, well, I assume it's a he. Uh, it could not, it might not be a he because it's Logan's instinct. And I think we figured out that Logan isn't always a. No, because we have Logan. Yes. One of our listeners is a, she's a she. And their comment on our D.B. Cooper um, episode was, shout out from Norway, super Yay, podcast. that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if we have other listeners from Norway, but I love Norway. Cool. I'd really like to see Norway. Me too. Do we have any Let's go to Norway. Let's go to Norway. <laughs> and when we do our um, tour, we will stop in Norway. Okay. When we do the our Strange worldwide. Sessions World Tour. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anything new and exciting? Uh, I don't think so. Do you want to talk about the our hate mail? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk. It wasn't really that bad. 
it started out not great. Yeah, because I was a little... Someone took the time to reach out to us on Facebook to say... Should I read the... Sure, go for it. She said, listen to your podcast on Chris Kremers and Lizanne Froon. Wish Krista had done some research before you broadcasted. Would have been so much better. And the use of time for peanut talk, what a waste. Mm, peanut talk. We must have had some kind of taste sure. test involving peanuts. Really? Yeah. Okay. But then I replied and said, you know, sorry, we're kind. This is our format now. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, sorry. We all know I don't do research. <laughs> <laughs> you do sometimes. Well, no, for the mini mysteries, yes. Yeah. But our typical episode is you pick out the topic and I show up and you educate. And I, <laughs> I mean, I can ask questions that the listeners might have, but they can't ask because yeah. this is not a live show. So I feel like it's, I don't know. I think it's a good dynamic for me to come in kind of not knowing a lot yeah, about I it. I agree. I agree because then... You can, like, I already probably have some preconceived notion of what I think it is. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of, you know, persuade me one way or the other with your explanations. Poke holes in your theories. Poke holes in my theories. <laughs> so I i don't know. I think it works the way we got it. And yeah. I just, if you guys, if somebody listens to the podcast and they don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. You know. We're like cilantro. Yeah. You love us yep. or you hate us. You don't have to send us something saying what you didn't like because yeah. we're not going to change. It's like, well, we've been doing the taste test for this long, but so-and-so doesn't like it, so we're going to scrap that. Yeah. Or you know? just fast forward through it. Yeah. So no, we're we're pretty much... We kind of like We the might tweak we it have. here or there, but mm-hmm. I think we're pretty much what where we're going to be as far as what we do. Mm-hmm. I agree. So... For the the you know the the positive feedback that we get and the yeah. we have a small following but a very loyal following. Yes. It to me one the handful of people who it's not their cup of tea that's fine. Go buy some coffee. <laughs> exactly, as I drink my. Coffee. But I like coffee too. So. so I, but we digress. That wasn't. And then she wrote back. We wrote back and forth a couple yeah. times, and and she wasn't like mean. But I wanted to leave a be, a good taste in her mouth. So yeah. I didn't want it to. You know, at least that way she can at least say that. Well, at least they were cool about it. Because my first response was just the sorry with the guy. The and emoji, I'm like, don't apologize. The emoji of the guy shrugging, like, what are you gonna do? I was like, don't apologize. We have nothing to apologize for, but. I'm glad you came back with we're not everybody's cup of tea because that's what it the, boils down I was down also to. in the middle of watching something when I got that, so that's why I responded so shortly. <laughs> that's funny. Do we have anything else? Um, I don't have think so. Have done anything exciting? No weird stuff has gone missing at my house lately. No oh, weird, I've had a ton no weird of red synchronicities. Lights. Synchronicities have, have been crazy well, lately. tell me about them. I actually had one driving here. Uh, there's a new band I'm obsessed with. Called? I mean, they're not a new band, but it's an old band. They're new to you? Yeah. That's Churches. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But it's funny because for like the last couple of years, I have friends that are like, I know you. I know what you like. You're going to fall in love with this singer from mm-hmm. churches. Okay. And I've had multiple people tell me that. So I never listened to him or watched a video. And one day it showed up in my recommended music. So I watched their video. I'm in love with the singer. Okay. And uh, I'd, I'd have to look them up or. She's cute Scottish. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I listen to all their stuff and I really like it. So yesterday I bought their two of their last albums on amazon okay so i was driving here this morning and there was one point where i went like over a stream or something like that and there was a field to the side of the stream where it was flooded because Mm -hmm. the water was so high and i was looking at that and i'm thinking god that water is so high and then in the song that was playing at that exact moment she said the water's so high oh that's or something like that and it actually made me dizzy because it was like so weird that it just coincided like that That so but that's been happening all the time lately Hmm. 
you know, once or twice, it might be just a coincidence, but it's been happening. I've been starting to see the 1111s again that I see all the time. Have you been doing the rando nodding? No, I haven't rando nodded mm. lately. I've completely forgot about it. So I need mm. to get back out and do that. But it's just kind of amazes me that, you know, yesterday I went to the doctor to make my appointment for my glasses and my my eye exam that I haven't done in 15 years. Jeez, I don't wear glasses and I get more frequent <laughs> eye know. exams than you do. But I went, I, you know, pulled into the the clinic where I was going to go in, shut off my key. And I just happened to look at the clock and it was 11, 11. And the same time I looked at that, the guy on the radio station said 11. So it was like oh, a bunch. Weird. Yeah. So just a bunch of weird stuff like that. So mm. it's pretty interesting. I'm usually so in my head that I don't notice that stuff. I need to be more mindful. I, I'm that, a very observant person. Trust me when it comes to like my personal safety, yeah. I always know what's going on I, around I, me, I but work on mindfulness because I am, anybody that knows me knows that like even when somebody's talking to me they can see that i'm kind of not there uh-huh. because i am always either worried about something in the future or, or you're like or five thinking steps about ahead. the past yeah. or you're already ahead of the conversation yeah so i need to that's Rhonda, one of the things i need to work on is to be more in the i know moment. you're gonna say you guys have kurt moments yes where we're <laughs> we're all having a conversation and all of a sudden kurt will cut in with a completely different conversation like we've already been having it yeah. and we're just supposed to know what he's talking about so i have to work on the mindfulness <laughs> too because i am never in the moment i'm just not no and that i'm not sucks either because i need to be and I'm i think totally that's one of the head. reasons why i was happier when i was younger because i was more in the moment and now i'm not yeah so. I also think that's why this is my theory on why, um, boy, we're really digressing. We, we, are. Have, we have plenty of time. <laughs> okay. This is my theory on why um, time seems to speed up when you get older. And I think it's because when you're a kid, you are 100% in the moment at all times. Oh, yeah. You're not thinking yeah. about what you did yesterday or what you're going to yeah. do tomorrow. You are just in the moment enjoying what you're doing. And as you get older and you start this whole adulting thing, Suddenly you have all these things you're worrying about and you're never truly in the moment. No, and so you no. miss the moments that are passing you by. You do. And before completely. you know it, it's like, I thought it was just Monday, it's Friday already. Yeah. Well, that's why our lives go by yeah, fast. Because I'm constantly worried about, you know, my job stuff, what's mm-hmm. going on, or I'm thinking about what I could have done differently yesterday or yep. regretting something I did. Yep. So I never live in the moment. So I need to get better with mindfulness. We'll both work on that. Yeah. I'm actually doing these five-minute meditations before bed. Nice. It's Headspace. I recommend Headspace. Oh, I have Headspace on my yeah. my iPod it's phone. It's super easy. Yeah. It's just something to start. I need to try meditation, get back into it. Even when I'm driving to work and listening to a podcast, I realize I haven't listened to the past 15 minutes because my head has been yeah. elsewhere. Yep. Like, why am I doing this? Exactly. <laughs> now I have to rewind the dumb exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> We'll it's work on mindfulness that, talk with Kurt and Chris. Yes, <laughs> or lack of mindfulness. Lack of mindfulness. Um, mm. I just wanted to say we're approaching the end of the season mm-hmm. very quickly. Yep. So hold off on sending us any food. Yeah, we'd still love postcards. We Although just it's got pretty a cold in the, where we record, so yeah. it might be okay. But yep. maybe hold off yep. until January. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, is there anything else? How many episodes do we have left after this one? Three. Okay. We got this one. Wow. And we got kind of got the topics nailed down. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's, I'm already starting next seasons and there's, cause there's big ones that we always talk about doing that we but haven't we never done. Do. We want to do MK Ultra, mind control stuff. Oh, yes. The Illuminati. Uh, yes. I want to do synchronicities because we always talk about synchronicities. I wish we could get Joe on for Illuminati. Yes. Yeah. For the, definitely for the Illuminati one. I'll see if I can work that out. And uh, I want to do near death experiences. So we have a lot of stuff left that we want to do. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like the big ones, but then I like to have the quirky little ones like the Captain Coochie's Key Lime Pies mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So working on stuff already for next season. Also wanted to mention that um, we've had Rhonda and Mark Zahn on and their son, Devin, which we've mentioned repeatedly. And he, he submitted sent us a story, some stories. Yeah. Yep. Um, he reached out and said he'd love to be on the show. So we're going to work him into next season as well. Season mm-hmm. four, which is crazy. Season four. I anyway. Know. I know. <laughs> Maybe so. he can pick the topic. Yeah. We'll let him pick the yeah. topic for the episode. He's yeah, that would be, be cool. So. so that's. We'll have a guest lined up. We'll get Corey back on, of course. Yeah, we got to get Corey back on. Cool. I think the problem now is like Rhonda doesn't want to do it because it's so early in the morning. She's <laughs> <laughs> not a morning person. And we're here. Oh, yeah. You know, we're here at what? I, I was here, I think, at... Seven. Well, I was, I was here... here at quarter to seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it. Okay. Move on, on to, to the taste our test. taste test. All right. I'm a little worried. Kurt sent me a text yesterday with these emojis that had me worried yeah, about the like taste the test. Yeah, like the unsure emoji and the... <sighs> yeah. I was going to hold off on this one until our next episode because I think it would be more appropriate for our topic next time, but I want to get it out of the way because I know... They just came out. I know somebody is going to suggest it in the group. Okay. So oh boy. it is October now. So now they're starting with the Halloween yeah. scary theme things. So Okay. I'm oddly excited about this. Skittle. It's a share size. Ooh, zombies. This is cute. So do you think they're weird read it, flavors? Read, read what it says underneath there. Most taste delicious, <laughs> but some taste like rotten zombie. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. So yeah. this is like our, our hilarious... Um, jelly beans. Was that our first taste test? That was our first taste beans? test. That's how the taste Aww. test thing got started was because we did the news stories for the year, and every news story, we tried a jelly bean. That's so that's right. basically how the taste test started. I love it. So I figure we'll just pop one. Every now and then until we both have a nasty, rotten flesh-flavored Well, that Skittle. just sounds delightful. Yep. So there's mummified melon, blood red berry, petrifying citrus punch, <laughs> chilling black cherry, oh, boogeyman bo- blackberry, and then there's rotten zombie as a question mark. Yeah, because you don't know which one you're going to get. It's going to be right. rotten zombie. So I, I figure just we'll just dump a bunch out here. And yeah, we'll... we'll just pop one every now and then, and we'll try it. Oh God! Okay. Uh, the girl that sold this to me at at Walgreens said she looked at it. She said, "You know, one of these are nasty flavored, right?" And I said, "Yeah." I, I told her that we do a podcast where we do taste test things, and she said, "Well, I'm just letting you know. I tried one on break, and I didn't know." And she said, "I almost threw up down the front of my shirt." <laughs> oh, great. So <laughs> something to look forward to. Okay, well, we got to try one to start with, right? What color are you going with? I'm going to go with <clears throat> green. Green? Okay, yep. I'm going with blue. Ready? I'm nervous now. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Oh, this one looks good. Berry. I yep. got berry. Okay. okay. All right. We'll just pop them randomly every yeah. now and then. Sounds good. Mm, this is good. It's very good. Mm. Okay, before we dive into our main topic, we want to thank Lucy Danny Castro, who sent us a postcard. Yes. From Very San pretty. Antonio, Texas. I love it. So thank you so much. Uh, I need to get a bigger, I still need to get our bigger board so we can put all our postcards on there. Yeah, we resorted to stacking them up and putting yeah. them in a book. <laughs> yeah, so by next season, we will have our bigger, what do you call that? A whiteboard. Whiteboard. Magnetic whiteboard. Another Skittle? Sure. Okay, I'm taking a red one. I'm taking a red You're also taking a red one. Mm, this is a good one. So is this one. Okay. This is like berry flavored again. Maybe we won't have any bad ones. I suppose in there. they're all sort of berry flavored. That'd be funny if we never got I'm to I'm curious a bad to one. see what rotten flesh tastes like. I know. 
After those jelly bellies, I feel like I can handle. <laughs> after the fifth Actually, one. after several of the things yeah. we've eaten, I feel like I can handle anything. Okay, one more. Okay. Mm. I'm going for green. Purple. Wait. Oh, good. Melon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one more. You're dying to get a crappy one. I want to get a crappy one. I kind of do, too. Because, ready? I still haven't swallowed the last Orange. one. Orange. Okay. Okay. <laughs> On to our main <laughs> topic, which is... I need to shut Kirk off my got a phone. Text. I got a text. <laughs> I need to shut off my phone. Actually, that was a was that a messenger Facebook messenger? It was a Facebook messenger mm-hmm. beep. I know the sound. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hmm. One of these seasons, we're gonna get this all ironed out and have everything good. Eh. I like our small town feel. I've had a lot of people tell me that they're worried with us getting more and more fans. They don't want us to lose our small town mm. feel. And I don't think... I'm not capable of it. I'm not either. I don't <laughs> think either... This is who I am. <laughs> I don't think either you or I are capable. I don't want to do live shows. Like, I don't know. It the thought of doing a live out. show makes me want to pee I know people pants. are talking about a meetup, but that is so... That scares like, us too. It's really <laughs> freaky to me. We'd, I, like, you we guys were, can meet up. We were talking about that before we recorded, but I like the idea of meeting not fans, but listeners one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to meeting a bunch, I would probably, I'd be a wreck. <sighs> yeah. So we'll there's a to... reason I like podcasting. It's because we're in a room yeah. by ourselves in a yeah. remote location where nobody can see. Or so we're us. never going to, I don't think we're ever going to lose our small town field. No, we're Plus, too introverted we record, for that. <laughs> where we record this, you don't get smaller than this town. Yeah. You blink and you miss this yeah, place. Yeah, pretty much. So you're going for another one. You didn't warn me. Oh, I'm just going to pop them. You're just going to pop them? Okay. I'm going to pop and lock. Pop, lock, and drop. Nope. Nope. Okay. So tonight's topic is the Phoenix Lights. Mm, I'm excited. And I so, remember... Side I rem- note, I tried to listen to a podcast about this on the way here, and it would not load. So that was my attempt at doing research. <laughs> I'm fine. There's a well-known podcast that people like that we talk about that I tried listening to and I gave it five minutes and I just couldn't. I just, I couldn't do it. I don't know if I didn't like. Was it? We don't have to put this in there. No, I'll tell you. I'll give you a hint. It was. Yes. Yeah. I've tried listening to and I had to shut it off. I did. I was out for a walk and I listened to the five minutes and I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I just, and people rave about it, but I just could not do it. There's also another maybe it was one. that one particular episode, there but could be. I, I just they it just They're rubbed not me the wrong winners. way. No, it just there, rubbed me the wrong there's way. There's another one too. Um, oh, I, I love that one. I couldn't get into Seriously? it. Seriously, yeah, I couldn't get into it. That's sorry. My, this that's, is really annoying for our yeah. listeners because <laughs> so, we don't want to talk bad about no, other podcasts. No, but that's one of my favorite ones to listen to. I think that's just how it is, though. Okay. You have to click with the host, as we've said before, and. Hey, so, if people don't click with us, I get it. That was Kurt and Chris to throw shade at other podcasts. <laughs> but in a really pleasant, in a pleasant and, and non- a nice way. In a respectful way. <laughs> so back on to the episode topic, mm-hmm. the Phoenix Lights. And I remember when this happened. So the Phoenix Lights have been called the greatest mass UFO sighting in history, which That's it was. It, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was a huge deal. It's believed that thousands of people witnessed this phenomenon that night. Accounts vary from hundreds of people to over 10,000 people. There's no way to really know. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people didn't report it. But it was over Phoenix. It was over this huge area. Mm -hmm. So it's probably close to 10,000, if not more. 
One of the reasons that so many people witnessed it was because many Arizonians... Arizonans? Arizonians. I like it. Okay. It's because many Arizonians <laughs> were outside stargazing that night to observe the Hale-Bopp comet, an unusually bright comet that was approaching its closest path to the sun on April 1st. What year was this? 19... <laughs> I, sh- uh, I just touched my tongue to the microphone <laughs> foam. Ugh. <laughs> what tastes better, the Skittle or your microphone? Ugh, like? The microphone foam does not taste good. You know, I probably... It was 1997. Okay, thank you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no? You got I one? Think I'm a- oh. <laughs> I got a gross one. What's it? It tastes like sour milk or something. Uh, oh, oh, that's terrible. I'm. Tra- <laughs> what did I, I wish put you in could here? see her face. It's awful. Oh, now I'm scared to get it. Oh, that's gross. You don't have to eat anymore now. You're good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Although I need to to get this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> You'll probably oh. end up getting another nasty one. I oh. understand why she. Oh, yes, thank you. I understand why you're, she warned you, because if you didn't know that was in there, you'd be like, I, I want my money back. <laughs> I'll get oh. one I'll get one during the course of the episode. Oh, my God. I wish, it, I wish you could see your face. It sticks in your teeth, so it just keeps coming back. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> it tastes like sour milk and what garbage smells like. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay. Okay. One of the reasons that so many people witnessed it was because many Arizonians were outside stargazing that night to observe the Hale-Bob Comet, an unusually bright comet that was approaching its closest path to the sun on April 1st. The strange story of the lights begins at 6.55 p.m. on the night of March 13, 1997. Most people agree that there were two separate events that happened within a few hours of each other. That was one of the things that I kind of didn't realize going into this. It was that there were basically two separate events. I thought it was all one. I thought it was all that one that you see where people the had light. the video yeah. footage or the camera the mm-hmm. camera footage of the lights in the sky over Phoenix. But I didn't realize there was a, a first part to that. Okay. At 6.55 p.m., a man in Henderson, Nevada. Nevada? I say Nevada. I do too. At 6.55 p.m., a man in Henderson, Nevada, reported seeing a V-shaped object flying overhead. He stated that the craft was around the size of a 747 or a large passenger jet. It was making a sound that sounded something like rushing wind, and it had, quote, six lights on its leading edge. Did you take this from Wikipedia? Yeah. Because I read that a last lot of this, too. A lot of this like was taken from word. Wikipedia. I, yeah. I think I only used like four or five different articles during this. Okay. So, yeah, it was from Wikipedia. That, I read that last night. Oh. Oh, you got one? Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> it, like, comes up through your nose. Oh, now I wish you could see Kurt's face. He can't even, like, speak. Oh, it does taste like garbage smells. <laughs> it does. And sour milk for yes. some reason. <laughs> Oh, gross. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's pretty bad. He's washing it down with coffee. Put these away. We're angry at these now. Yep. (laughs) No more Skittles. Nope. You should put them in like a zipper bag and give them to someone and be like, oh, I thought of you. (laughs) Some Skittles. These are for you. Yuck. Yeah. Agreed. That's bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Where was I? Ugh. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready to eat this pack of hot sauce to get that taste out of my mouth. 
At 8.15 p.m., an unidentified former police officer from Paulden, Arizona, was driving when he saw what he described as a cluster of reddish or orange lights in the sky made up of four lights together and a fifth light trailing them. According to the former police officer, each of the individual lights in the formation appeared to consist of two separate point sources of orange light. The witness returned home and continued to watch the lights through binoculars until they disappeared south over the horizon. Around 8.17 p.m., multiple calls started coming in from residents of Prescott and Prescott Valley, Arizona, which is about 200 miles southeast of Henderson, which is where the sighting started. I couldn't get any solid numbers, but it's reported that a lot of people called in at that time reporting a craft with five lights. Callers reported that the lights were definitely a solid object because whatever it was, it was blocking out the stars behind it. John Kaiser, along with his wife and sons, noticed a cluster of lights to the west-northwest of their position in Prescott Valley. The lights formed a triangular pattern, all of them appearing to be red except the light at the nose of the object, which they said was a bright white. The object or objects, which have been observed for approximately two to three minutes with binoculars, then passed directly over the family, banked to the right, and then disappeared in the night sky to the southeast of Prescott Valley. They couldn't determine the altitude of the object, but said that the object was fairly low and made no sounds whatsoever. That's interesting because someone else said it made sound like... Yeah, a whooshing wind, sound. A like whooshing, a whooshing sound, sound. Yeah. I guess maybe they were closer. Possibly. I don't know. Also during the Prescott sightings, the National UFO Reporting Center received the following report from the Prescott area. Quote, while doing astrophotography, I observed five yellow-white lights in a V formation moving slowly from the northwest across the sky to the northeast, then turn almost due south and continue until out of sight. The point of the V was in the direction of movement. The first three lights were in a fairly tight V, while two of the lights were further back along the lines of the V's legs. During the northwest to northeast transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined the three and then dropped back to the trailing position. I estimated the three light V to cover about 0.5 degrees of the sky and the whole group of five lights to cover about one degree of the sky. I noticed that some people said the lights were red. Some yeah, people said orange. Different colors. Some A lot of people yellow. said different colors. Shortly after the Prescott sightings, six people saw a large cluster of lights while driving northbound on Highway 69 in the town of Dewey, which is 10 miles east of Prescott. Another sighting had a mother and her four daughters witness this craft hover over them completely quiet, and they said that the craft would occasionally shoot beams of white light down at the ground below it. That's creepy. That's very creepy. Around 8.20 p.m., reports of the light formation began to come in from the Phoenix area, including Tempe and Glendale. I love Tempe. That's where my friend Tom listens to the podcast lives. Oh. I've been down there, and I just loved it. I didn't think I was going to like Arizona, but I love Tempe. I've never been there. Yep. Really liked it. So a trivia question. You might know the answer to this. You might not. Okay. There are reports that one of the first people to call in a sighting of the strange lights over Phoenix was a civilian pilot. Any idea who this pilot was? Would I know his name? Yes. A civilian pilot? A civilian pilot was one of the first people like to... John Travolta or something. You're, you're, you're closer than you think. Okay. Uh one of the first people to call in that there was something weird was a civilian pilot. I, I don't know who it would be. Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. The actor Kurt Russell. Interesting. I didn't it, know he was a pilot. Yeah, I didn't okay. either. In an interview on the BBC, he said, quote, I was flying Oliver, his son, to go see his girlfriend and we were on approach. I saw six lights over the airport in an absolute uniform V shape. 
I was coming in, we were maybe half a mile out, and Oliver said, Pa, what are those lights? Then I kind of came out of my reverie and I said, I don't know what they are. He said, are we okay here? And I said, yeah, I'm going to call it in. And I reported it. So he reported the sighting to Sky Harbor Airport, the Phoenix Airport. Hmm. He didn't think any more about the sighting until two years later when he walked in on his wife, Goldie Hawn, watching a show about the Phoenix Lights. When they mentioned the civilian pilot calling in, he realized that was him, even <laughs> though he had kind of forgotten all about the sighting. Wow. Which That's is crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Around 8.30 p.m., Tim Lay and his wife Bobby, his son Hal, and his grandson Damian Turnage first saw the lights when they were above Prescott Valley, about 65 miles away from them. At first, the lights appeared to them as five separate and distinct lights in an arc shape, as if they were on top of a balloon, but they soon realized that the lights appeared to be moving towards them. Over the next 10 or so minutes, the lights appeared to come closer, the distance between the lights increased, and they took on the shape of an upside-down V. Eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple of miles away, the witnesses could make out a shape that looked like a 60-degree carpenter's square, with the five lights set into it, with one at the front and two on each side. And that's basically, if you look at a picture, they all look the same. Mm -hmm. It looks like a, you know, I've seen it described as a triangle. Mm -hmm. I've seen it described as a chevron which it kind of is, which it basically is a chevron. Uh, and I've seen it described as a carpenter square. So it's basically... Which is the one thing I can relate to because yeah. my husband works in construction. <laughs> yeah. Soon, the object with the embedded lights appeared to be coming right down the street where they lived, about 100 to 150 feet above them, traveling so slowly that it appeared to hover and was silent. The object then seemed to pass over their heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range towards Squaw Peak Mountain and towards the direction of Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Witnesses in Glendale, a suburb northwest of Phoenix, saw the object pass overhead in an altitude high enough to become obscured by the thin clouds. This was at approximately between 8.30 and 8.45, and this is all mountain standard time. Okay. At 8.35 p.m., Ozma Linderman and her boyfriend were walking out of her apartment. She noticed strange lights in the sky and pointed them out to her boyfriend. According to their report, there were five red lights in a V formation that had perfect spacing between them, and the space between the lights blacked out the stars as it moved by, never making a sound. Then, the lights hovered for a second, changed shape into a red oval, and then shot straight up into the sky and disappeared. Hmm. According to the website... UFO Insight in an article called, quote, the 1997 Phoenix Lights, a case study, another woman, this time in Chandler, to the southeast of Phoenix, claimed that her nine-year-old daughter had seen a traveling beam of light moving through her bedroom. This object was also witnessed by her neighbors, Don and his wife Grace, as it passed over their homes. They would claim to see seven orange lights in a triangular formation on the underside of a solid structure made up of large gray panels. Oh, so they actually saw yeah. a structure. Yeah. As they watched, one of the lights detached and moved to the right of the object. It then returned and, quote, redocked with the huge craft. They, too, recalled hearing no sound whatsoever, despite the low altitude of the craft and the giant size of it. Hmm. So there's a lot of sightings of this. And a lot of these people that saw this say that because you couldn't see the stars in between the Vs, that it was a solid object, right. that it wasn't... <clears throat> just the two wings and it was a solid object there's just enough discrepancies though that you know between yeah, like, the sightings like there's not a lot that say that it turned to an oval and then shot up into the sky mm -hmm. so there's a lot of discrepancy in the sightings and you can 
attribute or somebody some of that heard to a witnesses. Sound. And, yeah, somebody you know, heard sound. Most people didn't. Yeah, so there's a lot of discrepancies. But a lot of similarities, yeah. too. Yep. The shape is yeah. definitely... That's, that's almost like the universal similarity is mm-hmm. that triangular shape. Yeah. The Dave, I keep it's the Davis Monthan Air Force Base, but I keep seeing Monthan as Mothman, and I keep wanting to say Mothman. <laughs> Interesting. The Davis Monthan Air Force Base in nearby Tucson checked and said that it had no planes flying at that time, and that the Phoenix Airport reported not picking up any aircraft on radar. So that'll come in play in the yeah. theories. Okay. Around 8.45 p.m., a report of lights in the sky is received from a man in Tucson, 100 miles southeast of Phoenix. According to the report, the lights were visible for around 10 minutes before disappearing behind the Santa Catalina Mountains. The craft traversed Arizona in 106 minutes, which I don't know if that's a long time or a short time, because a lot of people said it was moving really slow. You know, if you you watch the videos of the second uh, event where... Everybody's got the video of the triangular, the lights in the sky. It looks like it's not moving at all. Right. It looks like it's just hovering there. I mean, when I think about when I flew to Kansas, it took an hour and a half to get there from Milwaukee. So yeah, that seems like it's pretty slow. Yeah, it seems like if it were moving that slow, it was not looking for something, but or, or it wasn't just passing through. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get into that when we talk about okay. theories, I guess, or what we think. <laughs> okay. Dr. Lynn Kitai is a Phoenix area physician that ended up kind of becoming the go-to person and the expert on the Phoenix light sightings. She wrote a 2004 book called, quote, The Phoenix Lights, A Skeptic's Discovery That We Are Not Alone. Hmm. And she also played Florence, Arizona, the mom of the quintuplets in Raising Arizona, which I've never seen. I know people love that movie, but I've never seen it. Is Jody not Jodie Foster. I just know Nicolas Cage is in it. Yeah, I'm, it's not the right person I'm thinking of. It's um, Sorvino. Mira Sorvino? Yeah, I think she might. I could be wrong. I, I could have no idea what there. I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I looked up this Lynn Kitai and she was, she played the mom in that movie, which mm. was kind of cool. But she's kind of become the go-to person anytime there's like a panel, news, they, they talk about Phoenix Lights, she's kind of the person that everybody goes to for, for stuff. And so I, she's I, an actress slash doctor? Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It's going to bug me, so now I have to look up. I really kind of want to read her book, The Phoenix Lights, A Skeptic's Discovery That We Are Not Alone. Yeah. I, I, I have so to many look books I want to read. Me too. Oh, man. I have stacks. I'll get to them eventually. Speaking of which, I finished the, I think it's called True Crime Junkie, the, the one that, uh, about Moore Murray, the one oh. that, what's his name? Holly Hunter is who I was thinking okay, of. Okay, yeah. Did somebody send it to you? Jen sent us all oh, those Jen books. Oh, Jen sent us that. Okay. Yeah, I still haven't read that one that I took. I'm, it's, I need uh, to put it on my nightstand. Make me angry. Oh, the book True Crime Addict by James Renner about oh, more Murray Renner. disappearance. Okay. Wasn't but, he one of the podcast hosts? James Renner. No, James Renner. He was also on The Secret. He was also in the episode where Josh Gates first goes to Milwaukee. He was the one that was with Josh. Okay, but yes, he, yes, he yes. is He's one of the ones that gets like ripped on a lot with the more Murray stuff because he's convinced that she fled to Canada, okay. but we'll get more. I knew his we, name was we may familiar. have an episode coming up shortly where we recap some of our old yes, episodes. We so need to do that. Lots not of recap, updates. but like update. Like Detloff so, past. There's yeah. definitely been some yeah, developments so we're gonna there. Have, that's probably going to be our season finale. Well, just that'd so be everybody cool. Knows. Yep. I like it. Yep. Okay. Dr. Lynn Kitai. According to the website, thephoenixlights.net, run by Dr. Lynn Kitai, quote, 
These are the lights associated with the March 13th event, shortly after 8 p.m., that appeared to be fixed to a large V-shaped or triangular-shaped craft. There are varying witnesses' descriptions of different light arrays, patterns, and numbers of lights which could suggest the possibility of multiple craft or a singular craft that changed as it flew across the Arizona skies. Witnesses all un- unanimously <laughs> Witnesses all agree that the craft or multiple crafts were completely silent and flew very close to the ground. One craft was over a mile wide, according to hundreds of documented witness accounts. Wow. Oh, that's Well, except that one person who said they heard a sound. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, there's a lot of different <laughs> Yeah. So that was basically the first event. That was, was March. A... That was that was a... it was the same night. All these events are in I the same you said night. It was in April. Nope. That was in March 13th, 1997. Huh. Another Mandela effect? Totally, because I thought you said April before. I said the sun on April 1st about the Hale-Bob comet. Oh, that's probably... Okay. Yep. But yeah, March 13th, 1997 is when this happened. So that was the first event. That was a lot of people seeing this pattern of lights move through the sky. Hmm. So that was... It was seen in Mexico too, are yes. you? Okay. Yeah, towards the end of the event, it was seen in Mexico, but I don't okay. actually have that in my notes because I really couldn't find any good accounts of that. No, I would just see just mentions. What was on Wikipedia. I would just see mentions of mm-hmm. that that it was saw, uh, that it was seen in Mexico. So that was the first event. A lot of people seeing this light pattern flying across the sky, okay. heading in a direction. Then around ten o'clock p.m., the second event happened. A huge wave of sightings were reported over Phoenix by literally hundreds or thousands of people. Witnesses saw the lights remain in the air over Phoenix for an unusually lengthy amount of time. Most times, UFOs are there and gone, but in this case, whatever it was just sort of hung out for a while. And is this that is what most of the footage video. is? Of? Yeah, and okay. if you go, but it's hard to find actual footage from that because everything, like when I ty- when I typed in Phoenix lights footage. A lot of it is like documentaries, news stories. I wanted to see like actual unedited footage from that night. And I couldn't find a lot of that. A lot of that was tied into other stuff. And where people usually don't have time or forethought to capture any video or photos during a UFO encounter, this time people managed to get a lot of pictures and a lot of video footage. That does make it stand out from other encounters. What people witnessed and what shows up in a lot of the videos of the event shows what appear to be an arc of lights appearing in the sky one by one, then going out one by one, Hmm. but staying in the sky lit up for quite a while. I mean, it was up there for a while. Uh, people thought that it kind of looked like some form of running light or some typically seen aircraft illumination along the leading edge of the craft. Okay. Which I don't really understand because if it's V-shaped, I don't know, think it really has a leading edge. It has the v- point yeah, of the how do V. You know? I don't know, but I kept seeing leading edge and that kind of never made sense to me. It was estimated to be almost as large as a mile in diameter and directly hovering over the city of Phoenix. According to Wikipedia, quote, Other similar sequences reportedly taken over a half-hour period showed different numbers of lights in a V or arrowhead array. Thousands of witnesses throughout Arizona also reported a silent mile-wide V or boomerang-shaped craft with varying numbers of huge orbs. A significant number of witnesses reported that the craft was silently gliding directly overhead at low altitude. The first-hand witnesses constantly reported that the lights appeared as, quote, canisters of swimming light while the underbelly of the craft was undulating like looking through water, hmm. which is strange. I mean, that's, it's almost like, I, I almost think of like 
the shimmering effect of, I almost like, think like plexiglass like plexiglass like looking up through plexiglass where it's kind of like shimmering around hmm. you know I don't know the lights also appeared to wink out in a mysterious manner you know when the lights blinked out at the end of the sighting mm-hmm. it was always referred to as winking out okay like oh shit they saw us possibly <laughs> we should probably put these <laughs> lights probably on turn our lights off <laughs> When the triangular formation entered the Phoenix area, Bill Grenier, a cement driver hauling a load down a mountain north of Phoenix, described the second group of lights, saying, quote, I'll never be the same. Before this, if anybody told me they saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, and I believe in a tooth fairy. Now I have a whole new view, and I may be just a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. Grenier stated that the lights hovered over the area for more than two hours. That's a long time. That is a long time. That is a long time. That explains why there's so much footage of mm-hmm. these lights. But, you know, like I said, in the first event, the lights were moving. Mm-hmm. The second event, the lights almost look stationary, like they're just hovering there in the sky. Observing. Observing or doing whatever it was that it was doing. When did the movie Signs come out? I just watched it again. I don't remember. I love, that I love movie. Signs. Yeah. Because that that happens in that movie yeah. too, where they the lights, the crafts just hover yeah. in the sky yep. over cities yep. all over the world and then they disappear. Yeah. But they're still there. Yep. But people said that's what seemed to be happening in the second event was that it was hovering hmm. and then the lights winked out. Okay. So now the aftermath. I'd of be this. really creeped out, to be honest with you. I'd be really freaked out if I were witnessing that. The thing is, we'll get to this in a little bit, but people kind of weren't, hmm. which a lot of people say was weird. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Okay. Now the aftermath. Not long after the Phoenix Light sightings, Arizona Governor Fife Symington III... <laughs> Which sounds like, it sounds like. He's the director of a cruise ship. Yeah. For sure. Something. (laughs) Fife Symington III held the infamous, and I remember seeing this the day that it happened, held the infamous press conference where he said he investigated the case and caught the guilty party, after which his aide was brought out onto the stage wearing an alien costume. Oh boy. While the audience laughed and a lot of people thought this was funny, a lot of other people were pissed. That he was basically ridiculing yeah. their sighting. That Hundreds, yeah. possibly yeah. thousands. And I of remember people. this was kind of a big thing when this happened. So, what yeah, a lot. That? that was my shoe squeaked against the oh, chair. Oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> I'm all jumpy You're now. All jumpy. I swear I just heard someone cough in the hallway. So, that's weird. It is weird. But there was nobody out there. Mm-mm. Where were we? Go back to Fife Symington III. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people were kind of pissed that he was making fun of this. Was he wearing an ascot? I feel like you should. <laughs> he just totally should be wearing a an monocle, ass, maybe, and, a, and like a, a sailor, not a, like a captain's cap. A captain's hat, yeah, yes. like a captain's hat. <laughs> oh, poor Fife. No, he made fun of everybody. I keep getting lost where I am. Uh, a lot of people were pissed. They felt that this was diminishing the incident, and that it was making the people who witnessed the lights lights look stupid. Mm-hmm. He later stated that as a public official, he felt a responsibility to avert any kind of public panic and made an attempt to introduce some humor into the situation. In March 2007, Symington, 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 we'll call him Symington. Symington. In March 2007, Symington said that he had witnessed one of the crafts of unknown origin during the 1997 event, although he did not go public with that information. Hmm. In an interview with the Daily Courier, Courier, oh boy. In an interview with the Daily Courier, I can't say. I think it's Courier. Courier. (sighs) (laughs) I'll get good at this one of these days. In an interview with the Daily Courier in Prescott, Arizona, 
Symington said, quote, I'm a pilot and I know just about every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything that I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Other people saw it, responsible people. I don't know why anybody would ridicule it. So he's kind of backtracking and kind of saying, I did see I it. don't know why anyone would ridicule it, except me. I, don't, I, I, I get his point, though, that he was just trying to make... That was my microphone. He Sorry. was trying to just inject a little humor into like what could be a freaky situation. Mm-hmm. But it was just... Poor taste. Poor, Not poor taste, but it was just poorly received. Yeah. Symington went on to become a member of several UFO panels and has become a huge proponent of opening up further UFO investigations, okay. which is cool. He's so, redeemed himself, yeah, I so guess. He's cool. <laughs> I could just see him We're in cool his ascot now, ascot and mm-hmm. captain's hand. Uh, what I never knew about the story was that the Phoenix Lights, the whole story about it didn't immediately blow up, which was kind of weird. Uh, it stayed mostly a local news story with surprisingly little coverage until June 18th, 1997, when USA Today ran a story about it. After the USA Today article, it became a national story and people were fascinated well, with it. Well, there was a highly visible, highly anticipated comment passing. There was. Over. And, I, mean, and I believe remember, I saw that comment yeah, because yeah. I was in Florida yeah. on what I quote unquote call spring break. We did not do the typical spring break, but yeah. we were driving through Florida and we saw this thing in the sky trail blazing behind it and everything it was kind of crazy I... was that it would have been 97 when did that cult kill themselves which one? Oh, the comet one yeah was that 97 well, what was the name of the cult heaven's gate was that heaven's gate is where they all i listened to a podcast on that didn't they all, isn't that the one where they all buy this, bought the same Ship kind of shoes, shoes yeah. and then they drank the Kool-Aid? No, yeah. the Kool-Aid is Jonestown, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Heaven's Gate are the ones that. It is about the comet, isn't it? Yeah, because they were waiting for the Hale-Bob comet because the comet was going to come and carry them away to. On a spaceship. On a, yeah, a spaceship. Was Something that around like that. the same time? I don't know. I should know. I listened to it. Yeah, the 1997 series. group suicide. Okay. So maybe. Maybe the Phoenix Light story got overshadowed by the Heaven's Gate cult killing themselves. I don't know, but a lot yeah, of people said a lot, a lot of, of people said it was weird that it kind of remained just a local story. Especially how many people saw yeah, it. Yeah. So. So when did it finally hit like national news? That was when the USA Today ran the article okay. in June eighteenth, nineteen ninety seven, which was three months later. That's not too bad, I guess. No, but it's still you would assume that. Yeah. I feel like. Today, that would blow up oh, instantly. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, but back then, it was kind of weird that it didn't. Hmm. All we had back then was like X-Files, right? There yeah, weren't like a <laughs> lot. Much. Now, there are so many different shows on yeah. about the paranormal and yeah. aliens. And yeah. yeah, it would definitely get much better coverage now. On April 21st, 2008, the lights were again reported over Phoenix by local residents. These lights appeared to change from square to triangular formations over time. A Valley resident reported that shortly after the lights appeared, three jets were seen heading west in the direction of the lights. Hmm. An official from nearby Luke Air like Force... fighter jets? Fighter jets, okay. yeah. An official from nearby... Nearby. <laughs> <laughs> An official from nearby Luke Air Force Base denied any United States Air Force activity in the area. Then, on April 22, 2008, a resident of Phoenix told the newspaper that the lights were caused by his neighbor releasing helium balloons with flares attached. This was confirmed by a police helicopter, and the following day, a Phoenix resident stated that he had indeed attached flares to helium balloons and released them from his backyard for a joke. But would they have formed a perfect shape? 
they did in this case mm-hmm. or people seeing people already you know preconditioned by the phoenix lights to I assume suppose. that they stayed but I, that was kind Almost of a big thing and then later. it turns out just some dude randomly mm-hmm. thing about the military stuff though if they were working or testing out some experimental craft they're not going to tell you they're doing that no exactly and now, speaking of that, we get to theories. theories. Okay. There are three main theories. Theory number one, aliens. Aliens. Yep. A lot of people say that these are either UFOs or this is a UFO. Okay. There's a lot of reports about UFOs that start as one mm-hmm. craft, but then split off into individual crafts. And then come back together. And there were a lot of reports about this, doing that, that some witnesses said they saw. That one part of one one light would separate from the rest, come up forward, and then go back to where it was. Hmm. So there's a lot of people that believe this was one of those kinds of UFOs that does that. And this is basically just looking at the first sighting. The first sighting shows a moving object or objects that are obviously flying along a path. Okay. You know, people can say what they want about the second sighting. That was the one that was mostly stationary. But the first sighting, the first sighting had moving objects. Yes. So that were blocking out. And there were reports of witnesses saying that they saw aliens or heard alien voices in their heads when they were looking at the lights. What? Yeah. I heard that on some of the podcasts that I listened to about the Phoenix lights, but I couldn't find anything good online. That's the first time I've heard that. But there are people that said they heard alien voices in their head when they were looking at the lights. What were they saying? I don't know if they can. I need more information. I don't know. One thing that I've only seen mentioned a few times was the fact that people think there was almost some sort of weird mind control thing going on. You would think that people would be freaking out and in a panic, but nobody really was. According to an October 31st article written by a writer named McTavers on Exemplar.com, quote, One very interesting thing to me is the fact that many of the witnesses did not find the Phoenix lights frightening, but rather had a perception that the lights seemed somehow benevolent. Hmm. And it is weird that people didn't panic, like go into a panic. Right. That kind of blows my mind that people didn't. People yeah. were just like, oh, that's cool. I don't know that I'd go into a panic. I would be very like on edge though. Okay, what's going to happen? Yeah, we need exactly. to be ready to like run, exactly. like what's going on? And when you couple this with the fact that there wasn't a lot of hubbub about this sighting, which you would assume there would be, some people think that there was almost some sort of mind control going mm. on. And this always makes me think of Stephen King's book, Dreamcatcher. Mm, yes. Not one of his best books. No, the but movie the aliens too. like constantly are like sending out a thought that we aren't here to hurt you. We need help. We need help. Mm-hmm. We're harmless when they're not harmless. Right. You know, but they're sending out that projection as a way of calming you down. Mm-hmm. And some people think that that's what was going on here. And then there's like the aspects of the craft where a lot of people believe that it was a solid, either a solid craft or translucent. That you could see through it, which doesn't sound like anything that we would have here. I mean, they are working on cloaking they're working, technology. Yeah, they're working on cloaking technology, obviously, but... Which to me is where that sort of shimmering effect yeah, would play yeah, into exactly. it. Yeah, uh, exactly. This report came in, and this was from the UFOchronicles.com site. Quote, As the huge V-shaped craft proceeded south, it was almost directly in front of us when my eyes followed the left wing to its end. We live a half mile south of Chandler Boulevard. The end of the wing was well past that and at least halfway to Ray Road, which is one and one half miles north. I remember saying to my wife, that son of a bitch is a mile long. Hmm. 
As it passed in front of us, all we could see is the left wing. That's how low it was. At arm's length, the object was at least 30 inches plus long. That's pretty long for arm's length. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Hang on. Um, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it being a mile long. That's like, that's really big. So it would be a mile, you know, each edge of the triangle would be a mile long. Is that what they're saying? I think so. Wow. That's crazy. But it's hard to determine because he's judging from... Roads. From Well, not just from roads, but from an arm's length. You know, so there, he's... I can't really grasp the measurements that this person is using, <laughs> but he's saying it's huge. <laughs> the roads make more sense. Yeah, he says at arm's length, the object... What is 30 dot... 30 apostrophe apostrophe? Is that feet or inches? Oh, that's inches. Yeah, so 30 inches. A inch, foot is yeah, one apostrophe. Is one. <laughs> Okay, I thought I didn't want to. I didn't want to be screwing it up. But he said it was thirty inches long at arm's length. So he's judging it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see what you're yep. saying. I don't know how accurate you. I reported that, that it was approximately one and one half miles west of us, going down Alma School Road. But the closest part of the huge V, the end of the left wing, was much closer, maybe within a half mile. One thing that I remember the most is how this craft floated approximately 30, 40 miles an hour, that it kind of hovered and went really slow. Mm-hmm. Making no sound. Yep. There were no visible... <laughs> there were no visual means of propulsion and absolutely no noise. The altitude and speed of the craft never changed. That night, there was a bright bottom quarter moon setting in the western horizon. I said to my wife, quote, we're going to get more details. Look, it's going right into the light of the moon. But instead of greater detail of this huge craft, what we saw still amazes us. As the front of the V-shaped craft entered the light of the moon, this black chevron-shaped object became translucent in bright light. We could still see the bottom quarter moon through the object, but instead of bright white, it became a dingy yellow. As the V-shaped craft exited the bright moon, it became a solid black object again. We watched as the entire craft passed through this. Seeing a solid object going into and coming out of it was black, but as the craft passed between us and the bright white moon, it was translucent. Huh. Which I I can't wrap my mind around mm-hmm. that. A lot of people said that. A lot of people said, you know, we'll get to in the other they theories. They see through it. We'll get into the other theories, but this, everything makes it sound like this is a solid craft. That it is one solid, they can switch to being translucent, apparently. Well, that would be a cloaking technology. Yeah, yeah. but they said that this was one solid craft, not, so, not five individual crafts, as we'll get to in the theories. So have you watched the documentary on Bob Lazar? No. What do you think about him? I don't know, because remember, we talked about him in the Area 51 episode, and I think we kind of said he sounded kind of sketchy but now a lot of people are saying that i'd watch that documentary and now you come around uh because i watched it after the um mysteries decoded episode it's the only episode where the host like the detective former navy officer was like i can't i can't explain it i can't discount it um and he talked about the technology that they had from the alien craft because everybody talks about how this thing, there's no propulsion system, and yeah. he, it was like a gravity based. Yep, we'll get to that. Okay. With, we'll get to that okay, with, so with uh, our next theory. Okay. But going back to being that it's aliens, 
In the second event, the one that was videotaped by hundreds of people, the hovering lights over Phoenix, UFO researcher Jim DeLacetto ran a spectral analysis on the lights seen in the videotapes and claims that the results confirm that the lights are unlike any known light produced by humans. Hmm. And also from the UFOinsight.com site, quote, Perhaps one of the most intriguing parts of the whole episode was the claim of small aircraft seen by several witnesses during the course of the sightings. According to reports, these aircraft were United States Air Force F-15 fighter jets. And according to a specific report, these aircrafts were purposely scrambled in an intercept mission from Luke Air Force Base. When the frantic telephone calls began to settle a little, although they continued in a steady stream for a considerable amount of time, a lengthy telephone call came in from someone claiming to have witnessed the jets scrambling. According to the information, the mission of the jets was to intercept the object, which it apparently did over Phoenix, and photograph it with their onboard gun cameras. Once this was achieved, the jets immediately returned to Luke Air Force Base. The mystery caller appeared to be of an official source, quoting the names of officers involved in the mission and their rank, as well as precise times and takeoff details. The base, the caller went on to say, was closed down during the operation. One jet managed to get to within a mile of the object before its targeting radar was somehow neutralized by the strange craft. For their part, Luke Air Force Base denied any such mission took place. Even more interesting was an apparent follow-up call from the mystery caller to say that after he had informed them that he had been transferred to a post in Greenland, effective immediately, and according to their reports, he has not been heard from since. Well, that's shady. That is shady. You would think but, with the, the government releasing official, like, footage of yeah UFOs. but that's now this was 1997 yeah but those are the videos they're releasing now aren't just aren't super no. recent so you would think true that, why are true. they still keeping this stuff secret but there are people that say that we did scramble jets because we had no idea what that was and jets went out to yeah we wouldn't do that without without you don't yeah. scramble jets no. unless something so serious that's is going that's down. another thing that people say proves that it was an unknown alien craft mm-hmm. and then there's theory number two which is that it was a secret government aircraft. You know, and one of my big things that I think kind of points to this and that I don't understand about UFO sightings in general is why would a UFO need Earth-based lights? That makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Unless the lights are a byproduct of some kind of propulsion system, why would a craft that was able to fly through the universe get here why does it need headlights i don't understand that <laughs> right you know that just never made sense to me why? they want us to see them uh, maybe and a lot of the secret government aircraft theory comes but from didn't you just say that someone said that the lights were not produced by humans it's not technology that's what that's what somebody said okay. when they ran a spectral analysis on the lights from the videotape that said that is not our technology that made those lights okay. So when you look at secret government aircraft, one of the things that it always comes up is something called Aurora. The story of Aurora started in 1990. Aviation Week and Space Technology Magazine published an article in 1990 revealing that the public version of the 1985 Pentagon budget had a mistake where a military censor was supposed to redact something from the document but didn't. It was an allocation of $455 million for, quote, black aircraft production. (laughs) (laughs) okay guessing that guy got fired for that yeah whoops that's like reply all on accident yeah so that's basically secret top secret Mm -hmm. aircraft production 
and it had the name Aurora by it. Okay. By the late 1980s, many people believed that the U.S. had the technological capability to build a Mach 5 hypersonic speed replacement for the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, which was getting old. By the mid-1990s, reports surfaced of sightings of identified aircraft flying over California and the United Kingdom involving odd-shaped contrails, sonic booms, and related phenomena that suggest that the U.S. has had developed such an aircraft. Hmm. Nothing ever linked any of these observations to any program or aircraft type, but the name Aurora was often tagged on these as a way of explaining the observations. Over time, this craft has progressed into a speculated aircraft called the TR-3A, or the Black Manta. The TR-3A was said to be a subsonic stealth spy plane with a triangular design. It was alleged to have been used in the Gulf War to provide laser designation for Lockheed F-117 Nighthawk bombers for targeting to use with laser-guided bombs, but evidence of the TR-3A is limited to speculations and sightings of triangular crafts near military installations. There is speculation that the TR-3A had been upgraded by this time to a craft known as TR-3B or Astra that propels itself by something called MFD or a magnetic field disruptor. Hmm. Also some speculation about a potential TR-6, otherwise known as Telos or Telos, which stands for, quote, oh boy, Trans-Atmospheric Electrogravit... Transatmospheric electrogravitic low observability. Oh boy. Transatmospheric electrogravitic low observability. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. Transatmospheric electrogravitic low observability surveillance platform. Wow. <laughs> or we'll just call it Telos. Yeah, we'll stick with Telos. It's believed to be a highly advanced top secret reconnaissance aircraft that is chevron shaped and would completely fit the Phoenix Lights sighting. What people are seeing as lights is actually the aircraft's electrogravitic propulsion system. Again, this is all speculation, but a lot of people believe that's what these triangular crafts are. And these triangular crafts are seen a lot all over the world. So a chevron shape would be more like what a boomerang looks yes. like, right? Okay. Yes. Not like a no, it triangle, would, but No, more it would like... be like a boomerang. Okay. Basically, you think of like a military, is it a sergeant? Yeah. Like the patch that... It's a chevron. It's a chevron. Okay. So these triangular crafts have been seen a lot all over the world, and it seems like they're seen more often. I have a coworker who's on one. Really? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, and he he's very hesitant to talk about it. It happened, like, I think in the early 2000s or something mm-hmm. here in Wisconsin. And he said the only reason he will mention it is because other people saw it with him. He's like, otherwise, otherwise I wouldn't, wouldn't say anything because people think I'm nuts. That's true. But, yeah, they were he and a group of people were outside, and it was at night. And this triangular-shaped object came up over the trees, and they just stood there and looked at it, and then it was gone. I mean, I could totally see having something like that. Yeah. You know. That's a very common, I mean, not even related to the Phoenix Lights. It's a very common description. One of the interesting things about the Telos, the uh, TR-6 that I just mentioned, was that in the description, or like there's a online somebody released this like a it's like a drawn picture not like a blueprint okay. but it says that it's a huge plane but the wings can actually fold so it can fit into a hangar okay which is really cool it's mm-hmm. i thought that was really interesting but these triangular crafts are seen quite a bit a december 28th 2018 report made to mufon the mutual ufo network about a sighting in shrewsbury england says quote 
I'm an ex-Royal Navy Petty Officer and served over 20 years in the military. I retired in 2015. My background was engineering and above-sea weapon systems. I have a strong knowledge of all military aircraft, and I had never seen anything like this before. At approximately, oh, 110 hours, I had been walking my dog Jack around fields off Gaines Parks Road in Shrewsbury. I wasn't able to sleep well, and a dog had indicated that he wanted to go out. So as the weather was fairly mild, I grabbed the dog's collar and we went out. As we walked around a field that borders the A5 bypass road, I heard a strange humming noise slightly above and ahead of me. As I looked up, I could make out a very large V or chevron-shaped object, which was literally hovering across the other side of the field I was walking around. It was black and very dull in color, with dim white lights at the tips and a red glow at the center. I estimated it to be well over 100 feet from tip to tip. Jack, my dog, started to get uneasy and whimpered as we walked towards it. But suddenly it started to move, and as it did towards the west, a small white ball of light shot out of it towards the road. As this happened, large chevron-shaped objects shot out a clear white beam of light towards the housing estate I live in on Gaines Park. The chevron then just shot off with a hum and a buzz sound towards the west and it disappeared from sight. The whole thing lasted about 30 seconds. I would not have been able to get an object on my mobile phone as I only have a basic one and would not have picked up any objects in the sky with it. I am fully aware of all military aircraft, including drones, but this was nothing like I had ever seen before. On looking through the internet at what I could resemble it to, I would most definitely say that it was similar to the object seen over Phoenix, Arizona in 1997. Hmm. So these triangular crafts are seen quite a bit. Could it be military? Possibly. But if it was a military craft, why was it flying over such a populated area at such an observable time? Right. So I don't understand why this would have been there for everybody to see. Right. Unless something happened to it, unless they were flying it at a higher altitude and something went wrong and it ended up having to lower. I don't know. And then hover for two hours. And then hover for two hours. <laughs> so I, what are you going to do? It's probably a multi-billion dollar yeah, piece of... Yeah, you can't just, just gonna scrap crash it in it the ocean. No. Yeah. And why would jets have been scrambled? But only that one person said that jets were scrambled, so it might yeah, not have I happened. You can't really. I don't know. I, I just don't understand. If it was a top secret aircraft, why was it doing so what it was? Yeah. Right. Yep. What is it with Phoenix? I don't or know. Or Arizona in general. I don't know. Now we get to theory number three, which is the big one that it was not a UFO. Hmm. Was it Bigfoot? It was not Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell not you. Not a UFO. No, that it was nothing. Un, it was nothing unextraordinary. So for the... F- or it was unextraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I don't know where It I was, was nothing go. extraordinary. It was nothing extraordinary. <laughs> there you go. So looking at the two events as separate events, the first one with the moving mm-hmm. craft and the second one with the stationary craft over Phoenix... The theory for the first event was that it was only planes. A June 26, planes 19 make loud noises though. A June 26, 1997 story in the Phoenix New Times called quote, "The Great UFO Cover-up" talks about a 21-year-old astronomy buff named Mitch Stanley. Mitch was out in his family's backyard with a telescope the night of the Phoenix lights. Mitch and his mother Linda noticed the lights coming in from the north, so Mitch turned his telescope onto them. According to the article, quote, Since the lights seemed to be moving so slowly, Mitch attempted to capture them in the scope. He succeeded, and the leading three lights fit into his field of vision. 
Linda asked what they were. Planes, Mitch replied. It was plain to see, he said. What looked like individual lights to the naked eye actually split into two under the resolving power of the telescope. The lights were located on the undersides of squarish wings, Mitch says, and the planes themselves seemed small, like light private planes. Stanley watched them for about a minute and then turned away because it was the last thing an amateur astronomer wanted to look at. They were just planes. I didn't want to look at them, Stanley says when asked why he didn't stare at them longer. He is certain about what he saw. They were planes, he says. There's no way I could have mistaken that. Given the description of planes and the lights that he described, the plane sounded most likely to be military, and the squarish wing shape suggested either A-10s or possibly T-37 fighter trainers, but again, the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base said that none of their planes were in the air that night, and nothing showed up on radar at Sky Harbor Airport. Also from the same article, Air Traffic Controller Bill Gravo was on duty on March 13th at Sky Harbor International Airport. He too saw the lights, but not until they were on the southern horizon, slowly disappearing behind South Mountain. The lights were so bright that he thought they might have been flares. He confirms that the object or objects did not register on radar as they passed overhead, a fact seconded by Captain Stacy Cotton of Luke Air Force Base. But both admitted that that doesn't rule out the possibility of a group of airplanes. Cotton says that the radar used by air traffic controllers reads signals emitted by transponders in the airplanes themselves. Normally, in a formation of planes, only the lead plane would turn on its transponder so air traffic controllers could track it. If the lead plane's transponder was turned off, the planes could have passed by without detection. Grava says that depending on the plane's altitude, that may have been perfectly legal. All witnesses seem in agreement of one thing, the unusual brightness of the lights. Flight controller Grava says that's the only reason he is reluctant to accept the explanation that it was a group of airplanes that flew over Arizona on March 13th. So uh, it could have been planes that had their transponder turn off, which is why it did not show up on air traffic control. To me, that doesn't explain how so many people said that it completely blacked out the yeah, stars. exactly. Exactly. A 2000 and you would hear it. Yeah. Planes make noise. Unless they were very high and you wouldn't hear it. But if a lot of people said that. Small planes, of, I guess, maybe you wouldn't hear it. Yeah. A lot but of But like a jet that's like way, you can hear that yeah, thing yep. clear as day. A 2015 article well, on this. one thing also, though. Oh, she's sticking her <laughs> finger out. She's, she's, she means Wouldn't business. Wouldn't the pilots of those planes just come out and say it was them? I mean, this made such big headlines after a while. Yeah. You would think they would be like, uh, guys, that was us. We'll get to that. Especially if it were we'll legal. Get to that. We'll get to that. Unless they were flying illegally. A 2015 article on the Skeptical Inquirer states, quote, As it happens, analysis of the apparently sole amateur video of the formation is instructive. This is the sole video of the first event. Okay. Even with enhancement, nothing can be seen to join the lights. Indeed, their pattern changes over even a few seconds' time. The lights clearly move in relation to each other, proving that the lights represent five individual separate objects rather than a solid body. In other words, eyewitnesses who interpreted the lights as representing a single massive craft were simply connecting the dots. Reports of stars being blocked out by the perceived craft were probably due to the closer bright lights that outlined a triangular area and made it difficult to see less bright objects within, an optical principle used for stage magician effects known as, quote, black art. Hmm. So, of course, if the lights on the side were bright, they would dim out anything that you would see in between them, which is why people were saying that it was a solid craft and they couldn't see stars you know, because the stars were being dimmed out by the bright lights they were seeing on the sides. 
But if this thing was allegedly a mile long on each edge, how would those lights affect what's in the middle? Exactly. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. I'm not buying that. I don't know. Then, finally, in the July 1997 issue of the Arizona Republic newspaper, it was reported that when the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in nearby Tucson, who said they had no planes in the air that night, investigated further, they discovered that a squadron from the Maryland Air National Guard had flown in that night for a winter training exercise. If their transponder was off, it would explain the lack of a radar signal. The formation of the five aircraft flew along a standard flight route from Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas to Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, which had them crossing over the Phoenix area about 8.30 p.m., which is when the lights from the first event were seen. Mm -hmm. So that's what people say now. Like People that are skeptical say that it was a troop of planes from Maryland, that it was them flying in. They had their transponder off for some reason, so nobody... Nothing showed up on air traffic control. Uh, the Air Force Base said they didn't have any planes out because they didn't. This was a separate group flying in from Maryland to run exercises. Hmm. So people say that that's what that first sighting was, was simply five jets coming in. And those the jets that came in were A-10s, which is what the guy that saw him through his telescope, where he described the lights and where they were in the tri- and the, the wings that it sounded like A-10s. So a lot of things do point to this first sighting just being planes. But he planes. could hear them. Many people said it made no sound. And now you just said this guy said it sounded like the sound that those jets make. No, it, that wasn't a sound. It was the, oh. the lights underneath. Oh, the lights. Because when he was looking up through his telescope and described where the lights were on the wings and how the wings looked, it's it sounded like what A-10s Oh, I see what you're are. saying. Okay. And that's what this group from Maryland came flying in on, our A-10s. So everything kind of lines up that this first sighting was just five aircraft coming in from Maryland. But other people said they could see more than just lights. They yeah, could see I know. the edge of the I know. craft. I know. But that's that's people who say that this was just planes point to that fact. Mm. <laughs> Krista turned up her nose at that. Coincidence. You're not buying it, are you? Nope. You're not buying it. Hmm. And then we get to the second event, which is the big one that everybody has seen. Mm -hmm. And you know what the explanation for that one generally is? Flares. Flares. Mm -hmm. This has become the big explanation for the second event of the Phoenix Lights. Do flares just hover in the sky like that? The Maryland A-10 aircraft had landed at the nearby Barry Goldwater Range and were said to have dropped slow-falling, long-burning LUU-2B-B illumination flares as part of its exercise. These flares burn at 1.8 million candle power and at a distance of 150 miles still appear brighter than Venus at its brightest. So these are bright flares. Wouldn't they emit fall though? The hot burning flares usually have a burn and descend time of about four minutes, but the heat can create a sort of air balloon effect on their parachutes, which slows their descent. Which makes sense. If it's burning that hot Mm -hmm. and you're in a parachute, it's going to cause you to slow down your descent like an air balloon. But other people say that the lights were up there for two hours. Yeah. Which and makes... wouldn't you think there'd be at least one gust of wind that yeah, would Yeah, you would think that they would course. not be, have stayed in a standard formation. Right. I, and I would think that they would, people would have described it as slowly lowering. Yeah. Yep. And they didn't. They said it yep. hovered. What about the spectral analysis of the lights? Skeptical Inquirer article says, quote, Soto claims his spectral analysis demonstrates that they are unlike any known light produced by humans. 
However, in doing so, he claims to do what cannot be done. A camcorder's representation of a point source of light focused onto an electronic chip and ultimately converted into an analog signal recorded on videotape is unsuitable for spectral analysis. As one critic stated, quote, Trying to do spectral analysis on the image produced by a camcorder would be like testing a portrait of Abraham Lincoln for his DNA. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I like that statement. I don't know enough but it's, about it's it. it's true. But I mean, yeah. you can't... Right. If it was the actual lights, you could maybe run a spectral analysis on them, but not on a videotaped reproduction of the lights. Right. I mean, that makes, that makes no sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. So why would they drop these dangerous hot flares over a densely populated area like Phoenix? Phoenix. <laughs> 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 I almost said a bad word. Why would they drop these dangerous hot flares over a densely populated area like Phoenix? Dr. Bruce Maccabee, we just discussed him because his wife is the one that was yeah. in the tree stand in the Missing 411 episode. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bruce Maccabee did an extensive triangulation of various videotape footage of the lights, ultimately determining that the lights were near or directly over the Goldwater Proving Grounds. So it wasn't directly over Phoenix. The lights were directly over the grounds where these planes were supposedly had landed and were doing these experiments or these operations. What about the strange winking out effect? The winking out effect of the lights were actually the flares falling behind the Sierra Estrella mountain range to the southwest of Phoenix, which couldn't be seen due to the darkness. The Discovery Channel commissioned a scientific test of the flare hypothesis by Leonid Rudin of Cognitech, an image processing firm in Pasadena. Rudin overlaid a witness's video of the Phoenix lights with a daytime video showing the distant Sierra Estrella mountain range. The resulting video shows the lights winking out at the exact moment that they would have drifted behind the mountaintops, just like distant flares would appear to do at night. His work was confirmed by another independent analysis. I, I can buy analyst. that. Yeah, I can too, that, that the lights went out because the flares dropped behind a mountain range you couldn't mm-hmm. see, yeah. making it look like they just winked out. Although if they were bright enough, as people said, wouldn't they have illuminated the mountains a little bit? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. And I feel I like... It's not if they were behind the mountains. I feel like in the footage that I saw, there was they weren't dropping. They weren't... No, they were just hovering. Yeah. So that flares is... You know, I don't like the flares. All this is basically written off as the first event are planes, planes, the planes coming in, and the second event are the flares dropped by the planes from the first event. And that's basically what it was all written off at. So sure. what do you think? I feel like there are way too many people who gave detailed descriptions of what they saw. But you also have to realize that eyewitness testimony is very flawed. I mean, it's... I get that, but I think that if I were looking up in the sky, I would know the difference between an, a group of airplanes... And a triangular craft. Especially some people said that they were... It was low. It wasn't like so far up in the sky that you couldn't tell what yeah, it was. Yeah, They were flying really low. Yeah. These and people that... The people that, that witnessed, especially the first event, the people that witnessed the crafts like low and close to them... Have very, I mean, don't question that they saw they didn't a craft. Hear any they did sound. not know. They said a lot of these people are insulted by the the idea that they were seeing five airplane, five jets right. high in the sky because they say no, it was low to the ground. And if they were flying that low, they would have heard them and they would have been able to discern the fact that they were five separate small airplanes. Yeah, yeah. I just don't buy it. I mean, I, I believe they saw what they saw. It could have been some kind of experimental craft. I don't know. I mean, I I do buy into the idea that 
UFOs could just be man-made technology that our yeah. government is working yeah. on. It doesn't mean there's aliens in them, but it's still kind of a mystery because nobody will take credit for it. No. And they try to cover it up and deny what people are seeing. At the end of the day, I don't know. I, I've bought into each of these theories at a different time. I went into this believing that it was an experimental aircraft. And then once I started researching and reading more stuff, it became like, wow, maybe this was some UFO. This was well, and the some kind of strange craft. But now after reading some of the explanations of the flares and all that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So I honestly... I don't like the flare explanation. I'm sorry to anybody looking for an answer, but I don't yeah, know. I, don't I really don't know what to make of this. I think <laughs> that they saw something, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel... I like the question of why, if it were experimental aircraft, why, why it, would it be where everybody could see it? Yeah, that unless something was wrong with it and it was trying to get back to its secret base where it could be worked on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Limping know. along with a flat tire. I mean, if I had to pick one of these, I think I would go with experimental craft. I, I think I just don't see them being flares. The, I don't the, see from them the being footage separate. I saw from the footage I saw, mm-hmm. you would think that they would be waving in the sky, waving on their parachutes. Well, especially up that high. Yeah. There yeah. Would, there's wind up there. Yeah. I don't there care be, what it's they like would down drift here. Off, and this yeah. did not look, these don't look like they drift. They look like one solid Right. They move thing in unison. Moving. So I don't know. I don't think it, it's, I can understand some of the skepticism mm-hmm. because I could see where these could theoretically be flares. And, but then there's people that think that the first sighting was legit and the second sighting was the government going in to drop flares to say, hey, look, it was all flares. Sure. You I could buy that. That they're, that they're basically doing that as disinformation yeah. about the, the first the part original. of the sighting, which was a legitimate UFO. I don't know. There's, I, just, I just think too many people saw really specific details. But but eyewitness accounts are notoriously... But why would they all see this, miss see the same thing? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. I do understand the idea of seeing the lights on the side and not seeing anything in the middle because you're blinded by the lights on the side. So I get that. But some of these people are certain that it was a solid craft because mm-hmm. they were close enough to it. I think it's little details like it blocked out the night sky that how do you miss um, represent that in a memory? You know what I mean? I don't know. I can understand like witnesses to crimes are notoriously inaccurate when they try to describe like the the person who committed the crime. It's often really bad. Yes. But this is different. You're not trying to remember the size of someone's nose and their hair color and what they were wearing and what were their eye color. This was but just maybe like, if you read enough accounts that somebody else said it was a solid craft because I couldn't see anything, you might start to think that maybe you didn't see that either. And then you start to convince yourself that it was a solid craft. But weren't craft. these people all calling it in and describing the yeah, same thing yeah, they in were. the moment? They were. How would that be influencing, you know, how would someone else influence you in the moment like that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it... I can't say what it was. I I feel it was not separate airplanes. And I feel it wasn't flares. Other than that, I think people saw something. So you're saying UFO, you're saying UFO or government top secret. unidentified flying object. Yeah, it was a UFO regardless. Yes. You're saying aliens or top secret military aircraft. That's what I'm going with. I just feel like if we had that kind of top secret aircraft, there would be more traces of it. You know? It's not very top secret if there are. No. (laughs) You know? 
But also, why say it is a top secret craft? Why did it have to have the lights on where everybody? If it didn't have its lights on, people might not have even seen they it. Would have not so why it did there. it have the lights on? That's and I, why. And at if least... it's an, if it's aliens, why do they need lights? I don't. Right. I don't know. They don't want to hit a deer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a space deer. <laughs> a, a goose. <laughs> I, I have no Maybe idea. It was a flock if, of geese, and their eyes to, were glowing. If I had to pick one of these, I would go with experimental craft. But why it was there? Why it didn't have its lights off? They're not being very stealthy about it. No, if that it is was. not being very stealthy. I don't know. At the end of the day, this this basically has been written off as yeah. nothing, as right. as flares and airplanes. I don't think they've proven that though. So uh, some of the articles I read said that this is like a long running joke in the Air Force mm. community and stuff that this was nothing, but everybody is thinking it was UFOs. Give us the proof then. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what this was. It's a really interesting story. It is. But to have so many people witness something. At the end of the day, I don't know. Nope, I'm going with I'm going with top secret aircraft. I'm going with uh. Okay, Chris is giving the shrug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna end this with this quote from Lynn Kitai. She says, quote, Most anomalies can be explained. I must stress that only a small percentage cannot. Just because we don't have the technology yet to definitively define what these things are doesn't mean that they're not real. We may just be looking on the AM dial for an FM frequency. Oh, I love that. So do I. That's why I, I try to end with a cool quote that I yeah. stumbled across. So that's the one for this one. We may just be looking on the AM dial for an FM frequency. Yep, I like it. So what do you guys think? The Phoenix Lights, what are they? Are you from Arizona? Did if you so, see them? We want to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think these were flares and planes? Do you think it was an experimental aircraft? Do you think it was aliens out for a joyride, buzzing Phoenix? <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm know. I'm curious. Let us know what you guys think. Or if you've seen a triangular craft at any time in your yeah, life. Yeah, there's, I a, would like there's to hear so about many it. reports of triangular mm-hmm. crafts. It would make sense that it was a top secret, but I feel like there would have been more leaks about what this is. Mm-hmm. But like we always say, the military and the government are 15 years ahead of whatever we think is current right right now. So who knows? Who knows what it was? And if they truly have alien technology, who knows what they're developing? Exactly. Do we have questions? Are we going to do questions? We are going to go back to doing a question. We haven't done a question in a while. We have a question? I hope so. That'd be awkward if we didn't. (laughs) It would be awkward if we didn't. (laughs) We're going to do two questions today. The first one by Anonymous True or false? Butterfingers are neither butter nor fingers. <laughs> true. <laughs> that is true. They are delicious. Though. I love. I love. A lot of people finger. hate that they changed them. Now it's a they different. They changed it. Yeah, it's a different recipe. It's more flaky. It's less flaky. I feel. Oh, you it's, think less it's less flaky, flaky, and I think it's more peanutty, hmm. or like it has like a richer peanut flavor. I've I never like, noticed. I like the new ones because the old ones would get stuck in my teeth all the time after I ate them and it would I drive feel me like nuts. I still do though. Yeah, but these, the new ones I I really like. As a kid, that was my absolute favorite candy bar was Butterfinger. Mine was always Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm. Now it's Take Five. I love Take Five. I like Take Fives too. So good. But no, they are neither butter nor finger. No, I don't really not. know where they got the finger part from when they named Butterfinger. that. Butterfinger, I could kind of understand from peanut butter because yeah. it is peanut buttery. Yeah. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger. No, you got that right. Hmm. And now question number two, do you believe in true love? Mm. Define true love though. I don't know. I feel like 
I'm with a person almost 23 years now that I would literally die for. Me? Thank you. I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I was actually talking about my husband. Oh. But yeah, I guess true love is, yeah, I, I guess I do believe in it because I feel like I have that because, I mean, I we've been through so many things, ups and downs, and no matter what, I'm always going to be there. But do you think that was the person that was meant for you? Do you think that there's one person out there that that is your one true love your soulmate yeah i mean basically do you believe in soulmates Mm, i think there's soulmates in different capacities like i have girlfriends that i would consider my soulmates because we will be friends forever yeah and we'll love each other no matter what it's like an unconditional love kind of thing i don't know the thing is the idea of that is like if god forbid something bad would happen to your spouse, do you really think you'll never find anyone ever again because they were the one you were supposed to, so you'd just spend the rest of your life alone? Yeah. I don't think that's true. I think we have the capacity to have true love with multiple people and I do have too. multiple I, but soulmates. But I, I think that's more kindred spirits mm. than, you know, I think there's people in your life that you are supposed to meet yeah. for a reason. And yep. th- those are kindred spirits. But a soulmate, I think, is somebody that you are supposed to love and everything that comes with that, mm-hmm. you know? I do believe in it because I, I have that with someone. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that if, you know, one of us were gone, the other wouldn't be able to find that with someone yeah. else. Yes. I, Maybe, I, you know, this is so morbid to talk about because <laughs> the idea of my husband dying is like... Frightening. Oh, my gosh. I can't even think about that. But... Maybe once, he, you know, your your current soulmate passes to another plane, a new soulmate enters the picture. I, Maybe they I can't totally, walk the earth I at the like, same time. Yeah, I love that idea. I really do. But, yeah, I don't I know. I do believe in it. it I believe it, in true love. It yes. hasn't happened for me, and I don't think it's going to happen for me, and I think there's a reason why it won't happen for me. You won't let it. Whatever. You don't know me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kurt gets a crush on someone. As soon as they give him any attention back, I don't like them anymore. You do know me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, I think it's it's tied in with the kindred spirit. It's the kindred spirits idea that there's people we are meant to meet. And this is kind mm-hmm. of, this kind of ties in with it, but it's kind of an aside. Like, uh, my it's best like friend, destiny. my best friend, Miranda. Yeah. Uh, half my age. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never would have met her. But Aaron, when Aaron and I went, my one of my other best friends, Aaron, when we went geocaching the last time, we were talking about this because Aaron, I met Aaron when he was 14. Okay. And this sounds like a sketchy story, but it's not, I swear. <laughs> uh, when he worked at a grocery store, he cleaned the meat department at night and I was a supervisor there. So Aaron and I became friends when he was 14. And we were friends. And then over the years, he, he got married and we kind of drifted apart and went years without even talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And one night, a bunch of us went out to Seven Lakes in Whitelaw for all-you-can-eat pizza. Mm-hmm. And we went out there and Aaron just happened to be out there with his girlfriend at the time. So we were standing at the bar catching up and talking. And I told him that I had just broken up with Natalie, who I was dating at the time, mm-hmm. and that we geocached. And... I told Aaron about geocaching and he said, that sounds dumb, but <laughs> call me. I want to call now me and we'll go. And then he broke up buddy. with, he broke up with his girlfriend. Yeah. 
And one day I went out to get one that was near where he lived. So I called him. He was hung over as hell. So I grabbed him and we went and got this geocache and he got hooked like from the very first moment. It was like all the time calling me, let's go geocaching, let's go geocaching. So then we became super close again. And that was when I lost my previous job. And because he was a supervisor where I work now, he got me into where I work mm-hmm. now. And I met Miranda because she worked with me at where I work now. So basically Aaron said, if we wouldn't have coincidentally been at Seven Lakes for pizza that night right. separately, but ended up there together, I would not know Miranda because he knows me good enough to know that I never would have went there and applied unless he right. got me in there. So he said, because of that one random night going out for pizza, I met Miranda, mm-hmm. which is so weird to me when you think about the connections in our lives that lead us to other people. Mm-hmm. There's there's strangers, there's people that listen to the podcast that I'm very good friends with now that I would never have known otherwise. Right. So I'm just like fascinated by that. And that's where I think the kindred spirits, that there's people that you you meet that you are supposed to meet. And I think, I, I do believe in true love. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not for me. For like maybe like you said, I I, I won't. <laughs> it's the let empath it. thing too. It is the empath thing too. Yeah. But I do believe in true love. I know people that have true love, but I also feel like people today are willing to squander that, looking for something better or different. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know what that means. Expect, but I just said I think that people off the top expect of my head. the um, you know, the notebook. Yeah, movie, it's the not notebook. like that. It's no. not like that. Real life and real love isn't like that. No. No. And that's one of the bad things about those kinds of movies they or books. really high they expectations said, and unrealistic expectations. It's the same with porn. It's the same with porn. Right. It gives you a very unrealistic idea. What sex is like. What sex is like. <laughs> right. You know? So I do believe in true love. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I believe in kindred spirits, which are people that we're supposed to be friends with. We're, mm-hmm. we're soulmate is our person that we are meant to spend our life with. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it hasn't happened for me, but like Krista says, maybe that's because I'm completely mm-hmm. shut off Closed from the off idea. to it. She doesn't know me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for Interesting the, question. A very interesting yeah. question. So thank you so much. Anonymous person. Anonymous person. And now on to the, the deets. Oh, no, pickle joke. Oh, we got a pickle He's joke. He's really trying to squash my pickle joke. It actually made Krista laugh out loud, yeah. so it's got to be okay. Well, there's gonna. I'm going to do two because they're quick. So how does a pickle learn? How? It uses its brine. <laughs> okay, that's kind of funny. The one that made me laugh out loud. Why did the pickle close its eyes? Why? It saw the salad dressing. <laughs> Like the, the salad dressing is yeah putting like her clothes on <laughs> being a that gentleman is, that's good stuff that's pretty good not too bad so our deets you can email us at the strange sessions at gmail.com we are on twitter at strange session without the final s krista does a great job on instagram at the strange sessions and we have quite a few instagram followers we're we're approaching 400 wow and if you have postcards or want to send us something, please send us something at The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And I am pleading with you to leave us a message because I feel bad for our little phone line that is lonely because yep. nobody has called it since it, God knows when. It leads a meaningless life. It does. It really does. It needs you 
we should have like a Sarah McLachlan song playing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) This neglected phone line needs you. It is 920. ASPCA. (laughs) Somebody said it's a really like Wisconsin thing to say 920. I said that the last episode. (laughs) I'm like, that's so Wisconsin. Is it really? Yes. Other places don't say O. They would say 920. Oh. You're not dialing the letter O. (laughs) No, but that's... (laughs) Good point. Another Wisconsin thing I'm going to point out because I have a Packer uh, sweatshirt on. We are part of the team. So we're playing this team coming up. We got that touchdown. We, we, we. Oh, yeah. Fans yeah. act like we were actually part don't of the team. Don't people game. say that all over I that we got a touchdown? So. No, I don't think so. Everybody refers to their team as their, you know, like the Eagles. Oh, the Eagles did this. They did that. We, got we some, say we. We, we do some <laughs> like weird we things. we were part of the game. We do some weird things here. <laughs> we do. So please call our phone line at 920-443-9602. I say say 920, man. I'm just going to. Just own it. Just I'm going <laughs> to own it. 920-443-9602. There Give you us go. a call. <laughs> So from Krista and I in the old school media studio, until next time, stay stay strange. strange. This has been an old school media production, executive produced by Kirk Knechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.